ends with uh, drowning out the last year. If I drink enough, I can make it go away. <clears throat> the only way, that, the only place, the only thing in life where we can find redemption, renewal, that new beginning is in Christ. And the reason we can find it in Christ is quite simply because God does the impossible. How many times in the scripture do we read, with men it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. He's a God who does the impossible. And this morning as we take a look at Matthew chapter 17, we find ourselves in a section of scripture that the, the entire section from verse 14 through verse 27 all deals with God doing the impossible. And he lays it out there for us in, in Matthew and in Mark and in Luke as well. He, he lays this out for us so that hopefully we can grab a hold of that concept. God does the impossible. We like to make excuses for him often, but God doesn't need our excuses. He needs our faith. Amen. And we struggle... Often in this area, when we talk about the impossible, when we talk about miracles, we talk about God doing healing, we struggle with the concept of faith. And there are a lot of people who put faith in faith. And faith in faith is empty. Your faith is only as good as the object of your faith. What is the object of your faith? And if we're honest, for most of us, the object of our faith is ourself. I got faith in me. I can find a way out. And Jesus would say to us, you wicked and perverse generation. How long have I been with you? Don't you know? It's faith in me that changes things. Our unwavering trust in God that delivers us from a hurtful past, a difficult past, maybe into a difficult future. Every one of us in here facing something impossible, I guarantee it. When you think about what, there's something impossible, there's something, there's some weight, there's some issue looming over you. Causes us to despair, worry, fret, concern. This morning, God wants us to learn to put our faith in Him. Our trust and allow him to be that deliverer for us last week we 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 talked or the week before actually we talked about the transfiguration when peter james and john went on top of this mountain with jesus and they saw his glory revealed so there's no doubt for those guys do you get that they saw jesus become god in front of them that's what the, happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. They saw him glorified. They saw Moses, Moshe, and Elisha there with him. Elijah standing with him. And there, there, the law and the prophets speaking with Jesus about, the scripture tells us, his upcoming death. About the victory that he's about to win. Wait a minute, did you catch that? Because that's what Paul called it. A victory. You ever think of death that way? Sometimes we think of death as the ultimate defeat. That's not how God looked at it. 
God called it the ultimate victory. For by his death, he destroyed death forever. And then he declares to you and I, listen, he says to you and I that death has no power over his church. And let that sink in. Death has no power over his church. Why? Because to be absent from the body is what? To be present with the Lord. Death can't take you. Hell won't take you. The Lord Jesus Christ has his claim upon you. You are sealed for him. Death is not the ultimate defeat. According to God, it is the proof of his victory. But do we fear it, don't we? The unknown, where's our faith? Because that's something we can't fix, is it? That's why it causes us to shake and shudder. That's why it causes the, that, that feeling in the foundation of who our, we are. Because when we come face to face with something that's impossible, that's when God shines through. And that's when what our faith or whom our faith is in is revealed. When we're shaken, our faith is in ourselves. We stand firm, our faith is in Him. And He always delivers. All the time. When things are impossible. You ever been on one of them really high experiences? I mean, think about it. Peter, James, John with Jesus, they see God. That's a pretty high experience, isn't it? On top of the mountain. Woohoo, man, they're stoked. How often have you been on top of the mountain only to come home and find out that the garbage is still there? I went up on the mountain. Every time we go to retreat, you go to retreat, Spirit of God moves. Man, you're excited. You're, you're thrilled with uh, what God's going to do and how God's going to work in your life. You come down all excited and you walk in the door. But you know what? While you were gone, the kids were bad. Something happened. Something got broke. The car broke down. You, you don't even know it yet, but you got fired. I don't know. Something happened. <laughs> you come down from the mountain and there it is waiting. I just want you to know it was no different for Jesus and the disciples. Because we have a real enemy. And when he sees, or when he knows, or when he realizes that something great is happening, he wants to muck it up. And you know what? God is in the business of frustrating the snot out of him. Why? Because the things that Satan brings in your life to destroy you, to rob you of your joy, to trip you up, Jesus says, watch it. I'm going to use that thing to make you happy. That's what he does. For we know all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. But what do we say? That's impossible. You're right. With man, it is impossible. But with God... All things are possible. God does the impossible. As we take a look this morning in Matthew chapter 17 and beginning in verse 14, we're going to stop. Because whenever, we haven't even started you say, I know. But we're going to stop 
And we're going to turn to the right a few pages. We're going to turn to to the Gospel of of Mark. So flip over to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9. And and I I encourage you, when you're reading and when you're studying the Scriptures, and, and we love here at Calvary Chapel to go verse by verse, book by book, never pull a book or a verse or a chapter out of the Bible. What do I mean? You interpret the Bible by the Bible, in the Bible, the whole counsel of God. I'm not going to take Matthew and walk over here and tell you Matthew stands all by itself. No, Matthew doesn't stand all by itself. Because some things Matthew doesn't tell us. In this case, Mark's going to tell us some of the background of what's going on. Some of the background of what's happening. In fact, in Mark chapter 9, verse 14, same area of Scripture, it says, And when he had came to the disciples... Jesus came down the mountain from the Mount of Transfiguration. Big high point comes down the mountain. Says he saw a great multitude around them. And the scribes disputing with them. Comes down the mountain and somebody's fighting with the disciples. The scribes. The scribes. The scribes are those people in our life who can never quite grasp or don't want to grasp who Jesus is. In fact, when Jesus showed them outright miracles that they could not explain, do you remember how they explained it? He does that by the power of the devil. They, they, they face to face with a miracle, something, something otherworldly, something supernatural. So rather than saying, you know what, he is who he said he is, they said, no, he's, he's doing that by the power of the devil. They just would not receive who Jesus is. You ever have those people in your life? You ever look at someone in your life and think, that person, it's just impossible. They're just not going to get it. With men, it is impossible. Well, with God, all things are possible. Here the scribes are arguing with the disciples. They're having a big old fight. What's the big old fight about? So it says, immediately as they're arguing with the disciples, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. So they see Jesus. Now there's this fight going on. The scribes are arguing with his disciples that are still down the mountain. Jesus comes down, high point, but here's this ruckus down on the ground. And as he comes down, the people see him and they, oh, Jesus is here. And they all leave. All the multitude that was around the argument, you know, the disciples and the scribes, they run over to Jesus. And Jesus walks right through the middle of the multitude to the scribes. That's what it says. And he asked the scribes to say, what are you discussing with them? You're here picking on my kids. What's up? What really is going on? What really is happening? And it says, then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down and he foams at the mouth and he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they sh- that, that they should cast it out, but they could not. Comes down a moment from this high point and there laying on the ground before him are the impossible scribes who will not receive, though Jesus gives irrefutable proof to who he is. They won't believe it. Then they're faced with an impossible situation. And the one from the crowd, the one, who was the one from the crowd? The dad. 
Can you hear the pain in a father's voice as he considers the illness of his child that he can't fix? I can't make it go away. I can't make it stop. Here it says he has a mute spirit. King James says he has a dumb spirit. The, 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 the new King James, we look back in Matthew as we get to Matthew chapter 17 and we take a look there. It says that he had epilepsy. Well, what did he have? You know, people look at this part in the Bible and they read it and they go, see how dumb the Bible is? I mean, the guy was epileptic. He just needed to be able to have the right kind of medicine. No, he wasn't epileptic. These are all ways in the English we try to decide what to do with what the, the Greek says. So we call them epileptic, and we call them dumb, we call them mute. In the Hebrew tradition, anyone who had any type of a mental illness was called moonstruck. That's the word. Not the word for epilepsy. It's not the word for mute. It's not the word for dumb. It is the word moonstruck. He is moonstruck. Why? Because the doctors, the science of that day said, when someone was like that, they were struck by the moon. And the word for child here is not a, a lad, it's not a young adult, it's not a teenager, it's a little kid, small child, elementary age. Elementary age child who is filled with this, this being. We know because Jesus is going to rebuke the spirit that he is demon possessed. He's not an epileptic. But you see, we can take the Bible, right, and make it make sense. I mean, really, Jesus probably just knew the herbs that would help epilepsy, and he probably just gave him something, and that's what stopped it. Because we have to take the impossible and make it possible because our faith is in men. Right? I mean, after all, if I'm sick, it's the doctor that's going to make me better. Isn't it? It's science who's going to solve the problem. Hey, man, sometimes science solves a problem, don't it? Sometimes it's impossible. Do you know that? And we are really rocked to our core when we lose control. Listen, I'll make it easy for you. Every one of you in this room is a control freak. And whoever you're thinking of, I'm not there a control freak. Let me tell you, they might be more of a control freak than you, but we're all control freaks. How do I know? Because as soon as something enters into our life that is outside of our ability to control it, man, we are rocked. I can't fix this. I can't solve this problem. I can't just work harder. I can't do the American dream, right? That's the American dream. Put all your faith in yourself. Work really hard and you can have all your dreams. Folks, that's not God's dream. That's the American dream. God's dream is to put all your faith and trust in Him. And watch Him do the impossible. So he's faced with this impossible situation. A father cries out, my son is moonstruck. 
There's a problem with his child. Let's look back at Matthew. Matthew 14 says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him, and said, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic. No. For he is moonstruck. The proper, or the closest thing we can come to it is the word lunatic or lunacy. That's a transliteration of the Greek word. Lunar for moon. He's moonstruck. He's crazy. Something's wrong. Have mercy on him. He suffers severely for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. <coughs> Listen. I, I don't, I don't want to beat on the drum. They never could cure him. And Benny Hinn can't cure him. And I don't care what guy you like to watch on TV that cures people. They can't cure anyone. God cures. God heals. God does the impossible. I brought him to your disciples and they could not cure him. Of course not. Neither can we. That's why in Jesus' response, we see the impossibility of the situation. Because in Jesus' response, he says, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. He called them faithless. Because their faith is in man. Or in themselves. Or in the might of the military, or in the wisdom of science, or the wonder of the doctor. But you know there are things that they can't do. I am not suggesting don't go to the doctor. By all means. God has given us those abilities to take care of things. Go to the doctor. But no matter what the illness is, the cure, the healing comes from God. They give us the medicine that science tells us to take. We take that medicine, it attacks the virus, it it deals with the bacteria, it deals with the stuff in our body. But the only one who brings the healing is the Lord. And if you find doctors who are honest, they'll tell you. They'll tell you. I don't know even why all this stuff works sometimes. Just know it does. God heals. Oh, faithless and perverse generation, don't you understand how long will I be with you? And we look at this and we think, well, how long will Jesus be with them? He's going to be with them a little while, and then he's going to die. And then what's he going to say to them? Oh, that's right. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. So how long will he be with them? Forever. Is he with you? Is he there in that situation? Is he there in that struggle? Is he there in that impossible thing? And if we're putting our trust somewhere else than in him, he would say to us the same words, you faithless and perverse generation. Here I am. Why are you putting trust that my disciples will heal? Why are you putting trust that something is going to accomplish it? Some people put their trust in the faith. You, have, you need to have more faith. 
Now there's a problem with that. Jesus healed people who had no faith. At all. It's all about who we trust. You trust the Lord? Can you put your faith and trust in Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ? How long will I be with you? And then he says, how long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. In that is our entire job on this earth. Bring them to Jesus. Don't bring them to the preacher. Don't bring them to the healer. Don't bring them to the prophet. Bring them to Jesus. Because that is where we are set free. Amen? In Christ. Not in anything else. In Christ. He sets us free. Now let's flip to the right again. Let's go look at Mark chapter 9 verse 20. I want you to to get a, a, a little bit more of the story here. In Mark 9 verse 20 it says, And when they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him. When he saw him, little he, big him. When the child saw Jesus. Man, you want to do an exciting study sometime? Do that. Go through the Bible at all the people that it says, and he saw Jesus. You know, Jesus really saw people. You remember when Jesus is, is facing his crucifixion and he's being beaten and Peter's out in the outer court. And in that outer court, he's denying the Lord three times. You guys, everybody knows the story, right? You know that the scripture says that when they brought Jesus out of that place where they were beating him into the courtyard where Peter was, it says he saw him. And when Peter saw him, when Peter looked into his eyes, the scripture says he wept bitterly. We don't even have an English word for how hard he was crying. He wept bitterly, fell apart when he saw Jesus' eyes. John 21, Jesus put him back together again when he looked into his eyes. People looked into the eyes of Jesus. They're different. Have you looked into the eyes of Jesus? One day you will. Every man, woman, and child will stand face to face with him. You're either going to hear, depart from me, wicked, for I never knew you, or you're going to hear, welcome home. You just won the last victory. The war is over. I look forward to that day. Here this young boy looks and he sees Jesus. And the scripture defines it for us. It said, look, he, he saw him. And immediately the spirit, the demon that's in this child, convulsed him. Means he started to do things. That scripture, depending on, on what you read and, and what version you have, says a multitude of different things. Why? Because when a demon moves in somebody's body, they do a lot of weird stuff. They convulse, they foam at the mouth, they fall into the fire, they fall into the water. The, why? The demon is trying to destroy the child. He is a destroyer, not a giver of power. He destroys. He robs, kills, and destroys. It's what he does. 
And it says he fell on the ground and he wallowed and he foamed at the mouth. And, he, and he, so he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Jesus looks at the dad. And we're talking about a little child, elementary age. Jesus looks at the dad and says, how long has this been going on? And the father responds to him and says, from childhood. Man, he's going back to as soon as this boy was aware. You know, at the time when he should have been talking and playing. Happened then. Now, what are you going to do with that? You know, that little child must have been into something bad. He's playing with his Ouija board. I don't think they had it then. Well, actually, they did, but I doubt he did. Or his dad must have been opening up to some type of demonology. Listen, you need to get your mind around this. Bad things happen in a fallen world. Do you know that? Sometimes it's not anybody's fault. Why they got cancer or why that, that baby never lived, why the, the, she was never able to carry the term, why they were never able to have a child, what did they do, what sin is in their life, what's going on. Bad things happen in a fallen world. And the enemy means to destroy you with them, but God says, watch me frustrate the enemy, I'm going to turn him to gold. If you let him, God does the impossible. He's in the business of it. Since his child was little, he had this. Since his child was, was small, since he was able to know what was going on. And often, he has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, and now if means if. It doesn't mean since I know you can do something. The father didn't know Jesus could do anything. If you can. If you can, if there's something you can do, he said, have compassion on us. Nobody suffers in a vacuum. Do you know? People's suffering affect everybody around them. The people watching, people you don't even know. Have compassion on us, the father said, because he was just as much suffering as that child was. Have compassion on us. Have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Hey, we either believe it or we don't. (coughs) Sometimes we read these stories and we think, All those crazy disciples, they just didn't get it. Well, they're just like us. We don't get it either. If you believe, all things are possible. When Cindy got cancer back in, in California, believe was our motto. And everywhere you look, man, on a wall, say believe. And sometimes when, when people are, are going for something that really seems impossible, they fill themselves up with all this positive thinking. And I put all my hope in that phrase, believe, I believe. I believe, I, those are words and it's easy to say, but the word believe means to put my weight into. But what am I putting my weight into? Am I putting my weight into the word? Am I putting my weight into faith? Am I putting my weight into the creator of the universe, 
the God who does the impossible. Where is my faith? Not does it exist, where is it? Into whom or what is it being placed? Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible. I believe Jesus is Almighty God. And if Almighty God says, if you believe all things are possible, it means all things are possible. Why am I not seeing all things possible? Because I don't believe. Hmm? Yeah. Hey, I don't. I struggle with it sometimes. I'm just like the dad. I can say, I know you are able, God, to heal, to deliver, to change the circumstance. But I don't believe you will. Ever been there? I don't believe you will. Well, some of that is because we don't understand the issues. And most often it centers around the concept of healing and, and our concept that death is the greatest defeat. But God's concept is that great, death is the greatest victory. We have a difference of opinion, us and the Lord. And we can't reconcile that difference of opinion, so we don't believe God is going to do what we're asking Him to do. And then we're faced with a quandary. What are we going to do with that? Where are we going to go with that? Because listen, the scripture goes on in verse 24 of Matthew 9 to say, Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And Jesus rebuked the spirit and the boy was healed. You see that the father didn't believe? (laughs) I believe, I believe you are who you are. And I believe that you are able. But I don't believe you're going to do it. I don't believe you have the compassion. And I don't believe it's part of your plan. Or I don't believe... And we have all these things that we make excuses for the Lord. And so we take the things that are impossible and we leave them impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. Believest thou this? Nothing is is impossible. Back in Matthew chapter 17, as we come to this section of the scripture, it says in verse 18, Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very very hour. He rebuked. By the way, that word for rebuked is the exact same word Jesus used to calm the storm. Exact same word. Does that mean that that storm that they were experiencing on the Sea of Galilee that they thought they were going to perish in was demonic? Perhaps. But that's impossible. Hmm. With God, 
all things are possible. He rebuked and he healed and he did the impossible. I knew a guy once. And what a knucklehead. You guys ever known knuckleheads? See, this guy was like a 50-time loser. One of the most worthless people I have ever known in my entire life. Could never do nothing right. Always doing it wrong. If there was a go to the right side for being good and go to the left side for being bad, he was left-handed. He would always go to the left. He'd always do the wrong thing. I mean, for crying out loud, he, he got married when he was a kid. 20 years old. Has no idea what he's doing. If you're 20 years old tonight, or today, I'm sorry. Yes, by definition, if you're 20, you do not know it all yet. For that matter, if you're 30, you do not know it all yet. Yeah, pretty much if you're 92. At some point, it starts to go the other way. And you realize, this guy thought he had it all together, thought he knew it all. He gets married, doesn't know what he's doing at all. Doesn't have any idea what he did. Through his marriage, he is a stinking knucklehead. He's a loser. Cheats on his wife. So ladies, how many times? How many times are you going to let him come back? One time, she took him back. Two times, she took him back. Three times, she took him back. Four times, she took him back. You just let me know when you stop. She didn't ever stop. Didn't ever quit. Oh, the guy's wife was a believer. And you know, gosh, they got this just crazy concept that impossible things are not impossible when you trust in God. Well, that's just lunacy. Trusting God for all that. The guy's a loser. In fact, she went to a counselor. You know what the counselor said? Leave the bum. He will never change. Ever, ever, ever change. And he never, ever, ever did. He hurt her every way he could. There's a knucklehead. Beyond saving. Lost cause. I don't care what you want to call him. Finally, she said, that's it. She left. Pregnant with her first child. That's a perfect time to split up, right? Oh, the guy was distraught. Maybe he's just sad because he was alone for the first time in a while. Well, he called and promised the moon. No, baby, really, this time it'll be different. No, baby, really, I'm not going to do all that stuff no more. I'm going to be different now. I'm going to change. Maybe you're like him. You've said those words. New Year's always brings that out. This year will be different. So she makes this list of rules. He signs in blood on the bottom of the page and I promise to. She comes home. He goes to work the next day and <clears throat> he has to talk to this big wig at work. It's never good when you got to talk to the big wig. 
Most of your life, the bigwig doesn't know who you are unless you are the bigwig. Some point, there's a bigwig. And it's not good when he says, I need to talk to you for a minute. So the bigwig called him in and said, listen, I know we had plans, these travel plans. You were about to go on this nice, neat little cruise into the Mediterranean. Mediterranean cruises are cool. Well, it was really a Persian Gulf float. It's all in how you look at things. You're about to go on this little cruise and listen, we're not going to take you anymore. And uh, the reason we're not going to take you anymore is because you are HIV positive. Now we are assuming that you're not a homosexual man because you're married, but not saying that you couldn't be. And we're assuming that you're not an IV drug user. We really don't know what to do with it and how this all works out. But basically, you're coming off of everything that you're doing and you're going to spend the rest of your miserable existence in hospital until you die. Have a nice day. Well, take that information home to the wife who just came back for the 50th time. You going to stay? When your husband comes up to you and says, oh... Gosh, I know you thought things couldn't get worse than they are. But the funny thing is, I'm HIV positive. Pretty good chance you're HIV positive. Really good chance that the baby's HIV positive. What kind of situation do you call that? Oh, that's possible. I call that impossible what plans are you going to come up with i'd leave the bum oh okay did that change anything last i checked uh that's still going to be a problem for you she stayed she said i don't want my husband to die When she said those words, the guy who was listening fell apart. Everything radically changed in that moment when someone experienced or showed him the impossible being possible. She's never going to stay. How could she ever love me? How could she ever be any of those things again? It's impossible. What a knucklehead. Find yourself in a position where the only person you can trust. What are doctors going to do? Go ahead, tell me. Oh, they've got a cure, right? Oh, no, that's still a problem today, isn't it? We can treat. We can't cure. Well, just uh, exercise, be in really good shape, and maybe I'll live 10 years. Well, pretty soon you find out that the faith you have can't be in you. When the faith you have can't be in faith, and the faith you have can't be in the doctor's, 
And we come to that place where God finally is able to get us on our knees and we say, well, I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. What a dumb thing to say. I guess there's nothing left to do but pray. See, that just shows our unbelief. When prayer is the last option, man, I still struggle with that. You still struggle with that? I always try to solve the problem when it first comes. Well, for a year, they waited for HIV to become AIDS. While he was in the hospital, he watched four guys who came in at the same time as him die. Full-blown AIDS. In the same hospital room, in the same counseling sessions, day in, day out. Waiting. Also waiting for his wife to give birth to their first child who's going to be born into a world likely carrying the HIV virus. How's that work out for babies most of the time? Not so good. Not so good. Sound impossible? Do you believe God does the impossible? Yeah, He does. I remember that guy saying these words. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. But when you say that, do you realize what you have just done is put your faith in Christ? He said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and the mountain will be removed. That is a, a Hebrew parable. The mountain symbolizes any problem in life that's so big. Can we get that? Whatever the problem is, whatever the case, you can move that mountain. You can get it out of your way. You can solve the problem if you just have faith like a mustard seed. And so we try to work it up. I'm going to have faith like a mustard. Have you ever seen a mustard seed? It's little. Why does he say that? Folks, the emphasis is not on you. Jesus never puts the burden on you. You got to have faith like a mustard seed. The point is a mustard seed is small, tiny. How many times did he say to his disciples, Oh, ye of little faith. Why did he say that? Because they had faith like a mustard seed. And he wants them to realize it's little and it's okay. Don't put your faith in your faith. But what little faith you have in me. And watch me do the impossible. It's either true or it's a lie. If it's true, it's always true. Can you have the faith of a mustard seed? Yeah, I remember that guy saying those words. Now I remember going to all the meetings and having all that stuff going on. And I remember my wife looking at me like everything's somehow going to work out magically. And all the while, the situation is impossible. Because I'm the dirtbag. I'm the knucklehead. I'm the one that done all those things. And it was impossible. 
If you don't believe it, listen to me again. It was impossible. The situation was unreal. I watched my first son born in a hospital room full of people that looked like astronauts because they didn't want any fluid to touch their body. So the first hands touching him were these hands in these big old bulky gloves as they move him from one place to another. Why? We don't get to hold him because they got to do a blood test and find out if he has HIV. And they got a helicopter waiting on the roof to snatch him up and do whatever man can do because their hope is in him. But it's hopeless because it's impossible. And there's no way that marriage is going to survive. There's no way they'll be ever married. There's no way they're going to have more kids. They're going to die. Hey, that's where the rubber hits the road, folks. That's real life. But with men, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. That's like 20 years ago. That boy that was born in that hospital room, first touched by the gloves of astronauts, just gave me my second grandchild. We've been married 25 years. Or so about. In case I'm wrong, I'm just rounding it out. (laughs) Man, that was impossible. It was unreal. I can't even believe it's my life. That's who I was, but it's not who I am. It's what God did in our life, but that's not where the story ended. And as soon as it was over, at about a year, I remember Kathy having a dream. We're trying to put pieces together, but we're pretty stressed out that at any minute, we're gonna, I'm going to have AIDS, or the baby's going to have AIDS, or something's going to happen. We're pretty stressed out. I remember Kathy clinging to 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and no temptation has overcome you except such as is common to man. And with each, he will give you a mountain pass, a way of escape, so that you'll be able to bear it. And I remember her thinking, I don't know if I can bear it. That's the day the letter came. Still got the letter. You can look at it anytime you want. On such and such date, Lance Corporal Roberts was diagnosed HIV positive. As of today, he is negative. Have a nice day. One of the things I like about the military is they don't try to explain it. They don't try to say, because they have no idea what happened. And ever since that happened, I've had 10,000 people say, well, this is probably what happened. Let me tell you what happened. God did the impossible. If you want to see what it's like, you live it. I lived it. I was there. I was talking to the doctors. I was going through the stuff. God did The impossible. And he gave me a bright and shiny new year. 
And he whispered into my ear, what are you going to do with it now? See, this morning, God's whispering the same thing to your ear. I'm giving you a brand new, nice, shiny new year. Fresh start today. Maybe you're facing impossible situations. God does the impossible. Put your faith, not in faith, put your faith in Him. Put your faith in Him. Then the disciples came to Jesus. Last thing we're going to talk about. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and they said to Him, Why couldn't we cast it out? Their emphasis is on themselves. Why couldn't we cast it out? You never could. Any more than I could make myself better. And Jesus said, "Just I love how Jesus beats around the bush, don't you? You're really never quite sure what he means. What's he say? Because of your unbelief. Why don't we see things happening today? Why don't we see things and the, the stuff going on and, and God doing it? Listen, I want you to know, God is still God and He still does the impossible and He's still busy. But if you want to understand why you're not experiencing it, Jesus said, it's because of your unbelief. I know you're able, I don't think you're going to do it. And if we're honest, we all prayed for somebody that way. Maybe ourselves, maybe an impossible situation we're facing right now. For assuredly I say to you, if you have faith like a mustard seed, stop trying to make that a lot. It's a little. If you have faith like a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Because nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind only comes out with prayer and fasting. It's amazing how many people will ignore that first verse and go right to the second one. Well, then I need to be praying and fasting. What's your faith in? My praying and fasting. Because if I do this, then God will do that. Listen, right after that situation occurred, we were going to Calvary Chapel Redlands. There's two twins, about eight years old is my remembrance. Uh, I could be wrong. Sometimes I am. That's on a recording, isn't it? We'll take that off later. They were hemophiliacs. They got a blood transfusion, and they got HIV, and their HIV went to AIDS. And I remember prayer meeting after prayer meeting, praying for those twins, that God would heal them. And God didn't heal them. He took them home. And I had a hard time with that. God, why'd you save me? I was not worth anything. I never done a right thing in my life. I never made a decent choice. Why'd you save me? Them kids ain't done nothing yet. And I was mad. You ever been mad at God? Man, I was having a hard time 
trusting him because I don't understand. Because I believe at that time that their death was the ultimate defeat. And I was wrong. And I was selfish. And I wanted people to see them kids healed so they would come to the Lord because I want God to show himself strong. And he showed himself strong. He saved them boys. They spent eternity with him. In his presence. Living the life on this earth is not the prize, folks. It's not the prize. And we got to stop thinking it is. I struggled with that for a long time. Why would you save me? Wow, I don't know. Maybe it's punishment for all them things I've done. <laughs> He's going to make me be 95 years old and... I don't know. I don't know. But through that process, I learned one thing, most valuable thing I, I will have ever be able to pass on to another living being. You place your weight in Jesus Christ. No matter what you face, He does the impossible. Hey, folks, the impossible thing was not curing me of HIV. The impossible thing was changing my life. There's guys in here like me. You're a knucklehead. <laughs> hey, Jesus can change that. Put your trust in Him. Because if you have faith like a mustard seed, stop trying to work that up because it does not depend on you. We are saved by grace through faith. It is not of yourself. That phrase means there's nothing you can do. I need to have faith of a mustard seed. The point is, Jesus is saying, it's just got to be little. Just put the little trust you have on Him. You pray that prayer. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. That is you putting your trust in Him. You do it. Leave it there. And if you take it back, do it again. And do it again, and do it again, and do it again until you see Jesus face to face. You do it as often as you need to. And let God do His perfect work in your life. Let Him do that perfect work. Stop trying to work it up. It does not depend on you. You need to trust Him. Trust Him. He knows what He's doing. When it's all said and done, folks, and one day every one of us, prayerfully every one of us, are going to be gathered around the throne of Christ. And you know what? We're not going to say, you remember this situation because I don't still think it worked out so good. Because when you're in his presence, you're going to realize that's the prize. That's what you've been striving for all along. New beginning. New start. That's what today's about. And for our new start today, we have the worship team come up. And we're going to enter into a time of worship and receive the Lord's Supper. We're going to see the, the body and the blood, the bread and the cup that symbolizes what Jesus Christ has done for us.
Because, by the way, in case you're not taking notes, that was impossible. I am going to die, and on the third day, I will rise again. That's not possible. But with God, all things are possible. So as we, as we enter into a time of worship, and as you take, I invite you, take the cup and the bread, hold on to them, and we'll partake of them together at the end of, the, of this song as we worship together.